With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 130. Let's roll and getting closer and closer to the NFL draft. This is, well, the second to last show, I believe, before the actual NFL draft. We will uh, we'll be, you know ready for the NFL draft. I can tell you that much for sure. I know most of you are just waiting with bated breath. I think a lot of us are getting tired of the news cycle and all that, but I I actually kind of like it. I like hearing all the nonsense and, and bullshit and prognostications and the Adam Schefters and the whole thing. So uh, I think it's a lot of fun. And uh, you know, this is my favorite time of year. I, I heard someone say it's a, uh, you know, fantasy football or football Christmas or whatever, which it totally is. It's it's exactly that. Uh, all of the imagination is wrapped up in this moment. We can just sort of envision what our favorite team is going to get, uh, you know, in terms of assets and all the rest of it. We, we just sort of, it could be a boat. You never know. So it's super, super exciting to wonder what we're going to get, what's in the box. So, and to help me open that box, you heard him laugh. You heard him. It is Mr. Danny Kelly from The Ringer. I have been listening to Danny Kelly many a times uh, over the years. And, and of course, he's been on the show a couple times, too, which we are so grateful to have him back again. Danny is, you know, a, a writer at The Ringer, at theringer.com. Uh, and you can find Danny on Twitter at Danny B. Kelly. Danny, what's going on, buddy? Oh, not too much. You know, it's uh, like how many miles are in a marathon? Twenty six or something? Twenty? It's we're at mile twenty, whatever. Yes. Twenty five <laughs> yes. of the marathon. It feels like um, I, I'm very burnt out on like as you're talking about like all the news and stuff. I'm like, okay, I, I just want this to get. I want to get it over with. Yes. I want to find out where 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 all these players are going to land. Um, that being said, like I'm doing a few pre draft rookie drafts right now, and so that's starting to like coming to focus like what the ADP is going to be. And so this time of year is very fun. I do. I enjoy doing the pre-draft rookie drafts in dynasty um, just because you have to take a few extra variables into account, like how high this guy potentially could go, how far he could fall. Um, all that stuff is really fun. So yeah, this time of year is a grind, but it's also like a lot of fun with rookie drafts and all that. Yeah, that's, that's right. The pre-draft rookie draft, like the Malik Willis shares before the draft last year, <sighs> That yeah. hit really hard, and it was hard not to draft him because, you know, all of the 
the draft guys, right? I mean, you remember it. I mean, you know, one of the things that I love having you on the show right this moment is you do the NFL draft content for the ringer. So you are, you know, neck deep in prospects, not just fantasy and dynasty, but the prospects as they are. And, you know, you remember it last year with Malik Willis. I mean, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that sort of misinformation we shouldn't forget. Do you think that's a one-off mistake or do you think we should be prepared for bullshit like that every year? Uh, I, I feel like, so I, we should be prepared every year for, for smoke and mirrors yeah. and bullshit and, and everything like that. The Malik Willis and generally just the quarterback class falling, like how everybody fell down into like, not only the second round, but like the third round. Yeah. Sam Howell went in the fifth, fifth round. Fifth round for I'm, Sam Howell. Yeah. If I remember incorrectly. Yes. There were people that talked about him as like a, you know, potentially going to be the QB one of that class. And so to me, that felt like more of a outlier uh, situation or, or outlier, just like chain of events. I don't see that happening again, probably. Um, of course, we're always going to be a little bit wrong on guys. Right. And there's always going to be draft day fallers. Um, but the extent at which the entire draft, like intelligentsia, like it was not just like one or two people that were like, Malik Willis is good. It was like, everybody thinks he's going to go first or second round. Right. Um, and for him to fall into the third, I think was like maybe the biggest like misjudgment by the the draft apparatus as as I can remember. And so I don't see that happening a lot. That's more of an outlier situation to me. Um, And, you know, looking back on it, it's easy to like the hindsight's always 2020 looking back on it. It's easy to be like, Oh, we should have seen this coming, but the NFL other than last year, apparently has always just been enamored with quarterbacks. And like, there's always going to be reaches on quarterbacks. Right. Teams need quarterbacks. Um, That for some reason was lifted temporarily last year i don't it was like honestly like teams were looking at each other like you take a quarterback no you take a quarterback i don't want a quarterback you take that quarterback yeah it was like the weirdest thing i've ever seen in every other in every other year in nfl history it feels like like teams are like clamoring over each other to like get a quarterback um and then last year it's just like nobody wanted anybody it's like sam howell in the fifth round like that's insane to me yes um so i don't know the whole thing felt very strange it was to me that was an outlier event i think so Um, i think so too but i think that it does tell us that you know the i think as you put it the nfl draft intel intelligentsia uh which is well said uh easy for me to say though uh (laughs) i could barely mutter that out but um is like a bit of an oxymoron yes that's right very good like naval intelligence it it is i mean but you know it's like you take all the experts and you know i I was thinking about that too because there's so much like you know just worried about where what's going to happen at the top of the draft and it got me thinking that even the guys who know don't know you know what i mean like i was wondering how you know sort of close to the information you might be compared to me which is way fucking closer and then like but even adam schefter comes out i mean he's super close to the information he doesn't know like because what they're gonna do the teams that is 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 maybe give information that they want you know you guys Mm -hmm. you know to sort of echo and then for us to echo and so forth and so on and so sometimes even the information closest to the teams is uh, sometimes a false flag. And so I, I just have a lot of trepidation with all this. That sort of brings us to, I guess, you know, what you do, you do NFL draft rankings, and then you also have your dynasty rankings. You know, mm-hmm. I'd like to start at the quarterbacks because I think the quarterbacks, I'd like to start me and you just talking about how you, I know you've done this work, what you would do if you had the first pick and you were taking a quarterback, who's that guy in the NFL draft, not necessarily fantasy, 
But in the NFL draft, mm-hmm. who is the guy you're pushing the button for at one? For me, it's CJ Stroud. Um, it's just a it's a combination of all the factors that go into it, right? Like I think um, if I'm shooting for upside, it would probably be Anthony Richardson. It would obviously be Anthony Richardson just because of the physical traits that he brings, the way he could change the run game and all that stuff. But um, to me, CJ Stroud is he, he passes all the benchmarks for size. He passes all the benchmarks for arm strength. He passes all the benchmarks for accuracy. Everything I know, and I don't know him personally, but everything you hear about him is he's like a plus guy, um, gritty. You know, he's he comes from uh, a background where he dealt with adversity in, in his childhood. His father um, ended up going to prison, and so he, he's got like everything from like a personality point of view that I think you look for in a quarterback: the ability to overcome adversity and all that stuff. Um, confident poised like to me the the big picture everything put together cj stroud is the best quarterback in this class i think bryce young is maybe the best football player Mm. purely but like he just doesn't pass the benchmarks that i'm I'm looking for and if i'm the panthers i traded multiple first round picks a good receiver or is it one at least one first round pick a good receiver a future second like multiple future picks right to move up and get this guy um and I need somebody that passes more benchmarks than just being like the best quarterback, mm-hmm. just being the best like pure football player. Like yeah. he's just the the size thing. I started out; he was my number one quarterback at the very beginning. I've been spooked off of it just because yeah. he's such an outlier. You know what I mean? Like I just yeah. that that to me is just a little bit tough. I think he's a really really good quarterback, but he's tiny. Yes, <laughs> so he's, that worries me. He's super tiny. He's five ten, one ninety. Um, mm-hmm. That's very small. Uh, especially when you're going to be, you know, playing the NFL. Of course, it's a new game. They do protect the quarterbacks, but uh, you're not protected when you leave the pocket. You're not protected from a guy landing on you. You're not protected yeah. from, you know, just sort of that whole thing. But they're more protected. I would be more afraid of him 20 years ago or 40 years ago. Obviously, sure. uh, it'd be almost impossible. But you know, nowadays it's a little bit more, you know, plausible that he will hold up. Um, I love what you said about him being the best football player because that that starts to ring true. Like the knocks on CJ Stroud are starting to make a little bit more sense to me, at least the ones that I've heard. I think I heard Mike Renner talking with the boys that um, established the run, and he was talking about how, you know, CJ Stroud's not as much of a playmaker out of script, you know, mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean he's not athletic. It just means that when he's throwing on the run, he's not as accurate. Um, you know, uh-huh. he's not as gifted as sort of manipulating broken pockets and things like that. And of course, both Bryce Young and CJ Stroud didn't have to do too much off script stuff because their offensive lines were dope. Their receivers were good. Yep. I mean, you know, I know uh, Bryce gets a little bit of like, oh, his receivers weren't that good. I mean, you know, last year, year before they last were really they good. Were. And this past sure. year, they weren't they're still Alabama <laughs> receivers. It's not like, you know. Right. I mean, right. yeah, they're not, you know, the, they're not as good as Ohio State, but, you know, he had good weapons and and so forth and so on. So so what I've heard about the C.J. Stroud sort of, you know, not being able to break pocket is is very valid because then I start to think mm-hmm. about, hey, look, plays do break down in the NFL. This is something he's going to have to improve. And it's the one red flag that I've heard that actually makes some yeah. sense, at least tangibly. You know, obviously the intangibles, who, who the hell knows? I mean, that's one thing sure. that. Boy, oh boy, you know, I heard Mike Lombardi talking about how the kid's not very coachable and all this. This just sounds like, you know, Justin Fields 2.0 bullshit. This is the stuff I don't really, I don't know about. So I have a hard time with it because who the hell knows? Uh, The S2 test, this cognitive test, 
Mm-hmm. You know, go fly a kite with all that. I'm not so sure. I mean, I understand it, but you know, it's a it's a little bit like you know, don't overweight it. I guess is what I'm saying. No, it's, yeah, it's one thing in like a, a 50 point checkup or whatever. Right, exactly. You know? Yes, it's like, oh, good, he's good at that. Okay, cool. Like, move on. But now they're like, I'm not so sure about this guy. The S2 came back. It's like, hold yeah. on. I mean, you know, let's put it all in context. But then, Did he have bad S2 tests? I don't even hear that. Like, well, that's the other thing, too, is like they're just cherry picking the release of this information right. as opposed to letting us actually dissect it like analytically, right. which is also part of the problem. Um, you know, but that's why I'm, uh, you know, look, if you gave me all of the data, you know, then great. It's kind of like 40 yard dash times. I mean, when they go back so far, now I can understand, you know, historically how they measure which guys did well at it. They were, you know, there, there's just not enough, uh, you know, uh, just a lot of noise. Exactly. Yeah. Not enough analysis of the information for me to start to lean into it. But anyway, um, and so for those reasons, I, I tend to have these guys very, very close because I do think that Bryce Young is a better player off script and a better throw of the football yes. on the run. He's sort of the, you know, five-star Alabama, like modern day, like he has the pedigree of the, uh, of the, of the, you know, the Trevor Lawrence type pedigree just doesn't have that size. I mean, he's very, very small. And for those reasons, he's a little bit risky. Well, let's, you know, open the literal black box. The, it could be a boat player and Anthony Richardson. At what, I think you have him as your like 11th best player or something like that. Mm-hmm. He's a tough one because like, you know, even Renner, when he was on that show, said, you know, if this guy busted out, he could be a tight end tomorrow. It's like, fuck, yeah, he could. Like, 6'4", 245, runs a 4'4 four, four flat. That sounds like a hell of a nice tight end. So, you know. <laughs> Honestly, like, that, that's an interesting way of looking at it, too. Like, we talk about ceiling and floor. He's a high ceiling, high floor player, and it doesn't necessarily mean his floor is that quarterback. Like, he could be a high floor tight end. Um, it's unbelievable. You know, when, you put it, when you put it that way, uh, you know, obviously it would co- come down to, like, he, you probably get a few years to like try to work out the wrinkles and see if it works. But um, at the very least, like, you know, you got to use an athlete like that on the football field somewhere and he, he can do so much. Um, you know, maybe they make him into like a Taysom Hill player. Like, Holy I don't shit. know, you know, so uh, yeah, to me, the, like, the floor argument, like it's valid in, from the sense of like, if you're picking him to be a quarterback, the floor could be, you know, in the basement. Yes. Um, the floor could be, he's time. a fucking tight end, which is not a good floor. Right. <laughs> that's right. Right. Yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah, that's, that's another interesting way of putting it too. Like actually we, we were doing the high end comp and low end comp for our podcast yesterday. <laughs> and Logan low, Thomas low end, literally was Logan Thomas is like, fuck it. Well, let's make him into Logan Thomas then fine. Like that's kind of the floor. <laughs> right. Um, but that's, that's a huge projection too. Obviously. Yes. Like, no, that's you know, brilliant. So. That's right. Logan Thomas is his floor, but I mean, you know, it's, he's such a, he's such an amazing athlete. I'll give him all that. He does have a big arm. He look, you know, one of the negatives for him is he's had like 300 pass attempts in his college career. That's a huge mm-hmm. red flag. It's, you know, it's the Mitchell Trubisky. It's a lot of guys that have not been very good after only starting, you know, one year. Um, you know, so that's a big red flag, but it also portends to his upside, right? Meaning you could be like, well, imagine if you played two more years as a starter, all of a sudden he would have had better numbers because he'd have been better. And it's like, yeah, maybe that's, yeah, yeah, you know, maybe, but I'm not ready um, for him to, to do that in the NFL to sort of grow on the job for two years. He doesn't really have that luxury. If someone picks him in the top 10, would you, or could you pick him in the top 10 if you were an NFL GM? Oh man. Put me on the spot. It's um, a good question. I've this, asked. Here's it. here's how I would how, here's how I would answer that. It depends on a lot of things. Um, 
I think it, I think he makes a lot of sense. I'm just going to put myself in the Seahawks shoes because I'm a Seahawks fan. Yeah. Seahawks nerd. I think he makes a lot of sense for the Seahawks at, in particular at like right. five. If they, if they decide to take him there or even trade back a couple spots, if they feel like that is possible um, to me with Geno Smith. And th- this is generalized. Like if you have a bridge quarterback, yeah. if you have a good locker room, if you have um, a pretty good support system, if you land on the Seahawks, he's got DK Metcalf, yep. he's got Tyler Lockett, he's got Kenneth Walker. He's got a oh, offensive line that's on the come up. Like it looks like it's getting a lot better. Um, they have, you know, the cap space and the flexibility to get better around him. Geno Smith is his deal is like two years and they can get out of it very easily if they decide they want to that kind of situation. Yeah. I think he's a home run pick because you are shooting like you're, you're shooting for like literally landing like a Mahomes, Josh Allen, whoever type player, Justin Herbert, like the type of guy who can really put you in Super Bowl contention every year. Yeah. I agree with you this, know, by the way, I like this take. The Seahawks yeah, and, definitely could afford to take him. But, I mean, like Houston at two or something or whatever. I mean, it's just like. And that's what I was going to say is, like, if boy, you boy. If, if a really bad team takes him and they're expecting him to be, like, this franchise savior right away and, like, uplift. Like, we saw he couldn't uplift what they were doing at Florida last year. Like, right. Florida was six and seven or whatever. Right. His, his numbers were terrible. Like, if he's <laughs> asked to come in and do that in the pros, like, he's going to not put up good numbers. He's going to probably look really bad. And there's probably going to be a lot of like bust, like the word bust is going to get thrown around. Um, so to me, the idea that he his stock is cooling a bit over the last like week or two, I, I feel like there's been more talk lately that he's going to fall a little bit in the draft, not necessarily out of the first round, but just like maybe into the teens or whatever. That honestly might be a great thing for him, because if he can land on a team with a better sports system and this is this is, by the way, this goes for any quarterback in this draft class. Um, I think it's more pronounced for him just because he's so raw and so inexperienced, but um, you know, it's almost like a, it's like, if you look at the history of the quarterback position in the draft, like it's almost like a really good thing if you fall in the draft. Right. Um, Because like, if you're asked just look at Trevor Lawrence, you know, all time generational prospect, like very hard to pick holes in his game. He comes in and he's on a dumpster fire team and he looked terrible. Yes. You know, like imagine if you're just like a regular prospect, right? You know, yes. so like there is a lot of that going. Like that, there's a lot of that that goes into it. So to, to my fence sitting answer, yeah, is that if he lands, if if I'm a coach and the GM of a good team, I think he's worth taking a, a swing on just because like the potential outcome, the potential upside is it's such an outsized like benefit for your team. Like you could really change the whole dynamic of the conference really if he hits right and if he misses then oh you missed on a first round pick keep going i, th- I think like, you have to be prepared to coach to his skills too i mean obviously mm-hmm. you know there was huge criticisms of florida not doing that i don't really watch college football but i did watch you know anthony richardson you know tape if you will you know i was watching a few games of him you know uh cutups and you know but yeah, i love watching the when they when they do like just the plays they're in, which of course the quarterback is just the offensive plays, but just every play back to back, then I can watch it so fast. So I didn't watch the whole game, but I, yeah. I love watching it. And there was very, very few, if any plays where I was like, Oh, great play call there for him. <laughs> I was like, they basically just ran like regular stuff. You have like v- figure it out. This is the Tyler, the, the Kyler Murray offense oh. with Cliff Kingsbury. Hey Kyler, can you go do some stuff for us? Thanks. Yeah. Like it's so <laughs> stupid because you like, like, 
literally have the greatest athlete of all time at the quarterback position and you're just running regular like if there's one thing you shouldn't be doing is you should be doing everything irregular you know mm-hmm. to put total pressure on the defense you know and you know getting him to the edge lots of quarterback runs like all yeah, sorts exactly. of cool stuff that you can do um and especially at the college game too you know we're like you know, it's not like the defenses in the NFL are going to be like, you know, they'll, they'll figure you out after a little bit. But, yeah, I you know, it just reminds me of that first year Lamar Jackson where he didn't play until later in the year and then they ran mm-hmm. the ball a lot with him and, you know, really protected him with an offense that, like, you know, was grinding it out and he ran it 20 times a game. I can see Anthony Richardson being successful early with a with an offense that limits how many times he's got to make third and eight throws. You know, right. I always say to my guests, exactly. I'm like, Dude, eventually it's going to be third and eight, and you're going to have to be in shotgun and fucking convert. And I don't think he's ready to do that at all. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think, I mean, I I do think the the way that his rawness is like perceived is a little bit off. Like, I think right. people think he can't throw. No, which yeah. is not true. I think people think he can't. Uh, operate in a pocket because like one of the big problems you see with guys who quote unquote like the dual threat quarterbacks is like they bail yes. on a pocket not way him. too early and he to me is like very good at negotiating a pocket sliding <laughs> yes. like he's really big he's almost got like the big Ben attribute of like he's really hard to bring down in the pocket he can kind of extend plays buy himself a little extra time to throw off so to me it's it's a nuanced discussion of rawness yes he is raw he's 13 games and 300 something attempts that's just hard, man. Like, yes. there's, it's like trying to go out and, and I always use this because it's like how I can conceive it, but like, it's like trying to go out and play on the PGA tour without going to the driving range. Right. It's like right. every throw is going, every, every swing is going to be like, God, I hope I hit the ball. You yes. know what I mean? Versus like, it's all ingrained in like second nature. Like, this is why I think it's so important for guys to have, you know, thrown a lot of passes in college and played multiple seasons in college. It's just because it's more practice. You yes. know what I mean? Like it's literally just more practice. It's like practicing the instrument more times when you go play a concert or whatever. And so um, I think that's a, it's a, like a good concern. It's, it's a legitimate concern with him, but it's not like he's raw to the point where we're talking about like Malik Willis, where he bails on a pocket early every single time he gets his sack rates, just as astronomical. Um, and these are some of, and going back to what we talked about when we first started, it's like these are some of the concerns we had with Malik Willis when he came out. It's like I almost kind of ignored it. It's like he had like an astronomical sack rate. Like he was either getting the ball out quickly or getting sacked or running, you know? And that's not the same deal with with uh, Anthony Richardson. Like he's actually stepping up into the pocket, keeping an eyes downfield. Like he's not staring at the rush. There's there's a higher level of a foundation to work with there for me, you know, and, and so comparing him to Malik Willis is, is ludicrous, I think, but um, there's a chance that he falls a little bit further on draft day than, than people are saying. I, I don't think very far, but he might not be like a top three pick. We'll see. Yeah. I think that's very fair. I mean, you know, it's, it's funny because we, we tend to see the athlete and just sort of, if it's, if it's a raw passer and I say raw meaning, meaning, you know, imperfect, you know, mm-hmm. um, and you know Malik was that but Malik had other red flags I mean he transferred to Liberty right I mean that's a red flag in and of itself that you know college football really didn't want him to some degree Mm -hmm. right if he were such a high level prospect he would have at least been able to transfer somewhere I don't I don't know man and now we're in Tennessee Titans are out on him like you know the, the the draft capital 
matters because it, they, they yeah. are really sifting through as much damn information as possible to try and figure it out. And there's 32 teams. So if one team feels good enough about them, it may be a mistake, but at least they've, you know, you know, mm-hmm. collectively tried to uncover whatever the problems might be. And Malik falling to the third round was basically a death knell because it meant there was enough wrong with him that everybody agreed that it's a problem. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and so we'll find out with, with, with Anthony Richardson, just to quickly pivot to, you know, our dynasty take, look, I've said it very simply. I'm now starting to think that Anthony Richardson in some cases is worth, you know, the quarterback one because of the upside. I mean, look, it, it, the moment he plays football in the NFL, he'll be an awesome dy- a fantasy asset. Mm-hmm. That moment, game one, because mm-hmm. he's going to run the football. He's going to have 70 yards rushing his first game, I guarantee it. Like, it's just going to be there. So he's going to have that floor. If he's anything as a passer, you know, you just add that to it. He's probably going to be their best goal line weapon, whomever he plays for, because he's fucking 6'4". Two. He's Derrick Henry, but faster. <laughs> Yeah. Um, it's funny. Yeah, cause literally, I'm, I told you I'm in a couple of pre-draft rookie drafts right now. And uh, unfortunately, I had a couple of bad teams last year, uh, just kind of going through the cycle. I have I have a lot of Matt Stafford yeah. as my starter, Oof. and that sunk me yeah. a lot, like pretty badly last year in a couple teams. The Stafford-Galladay um, uh, stack? Yeah, that was, <laughs> was not advantageous. However, I will say I, have, I had a couple of third overall picks. Yeah. Um, today, in fact, and I took Anthony Richardson with both of them. There you um, go. So hoping that works out. He was the QB two in both instances. Uh, who was um, QB one in both spots? Bryce Young. Bryce Young went first in both. Which wow. Um, I'm putting together my rankings. I haven't published them yet, but I have Richardson as my QB one, and, and it's purely and it is maybe you can look at it this way too. Like it depends on your team. Also, I think like um, especially in a super flex league, like maybe you just rather have CJ Stroud, like. The even keel, yep. just have two good quarterbacks. And I get that. Like, if you want him to be a good QB2, it's probably going to happen. Um, but if you want a league winner, you know, like Lamar Jackson kind of swing for the fences, that's what I think Anthony Richardson can be in fantasy. And the other thing I wanted to bring back, you, you, you um, like, reminded me that I wanted to bring this up. is like, and we'll see how long this lasts, but, like, the rule where you can push guys in the back yeah. did not get outlawed yet. Oh, shit. Uh, and it, to me, it fundamentally changes – football in a lot of ways and then the big thing is like for teams that are willing to really exploit it like we saw the eagles last year um having a big huge athletic powerful quarterback you like like you buy yourself an extra down yes in a lot of cases like it's crazy you're actually like not only is he buying you an extra gap because he's a runner he's buying you an extra down because he can convert second or th- uh, fourth and shorts fourth yep. and one fourth and two at a very high rate. It's like virtually Eagles, it unstoppable. Like, it was like 80% or something ridiculous. Yeah. Like they, they converted like almost every single time you get into fourth and short. And that's that changes, by the way, that changes what you do on third down. Yes. It changes what you do on second down. Yes. It changes the whole thing. It's like insanely powerful tool that these teams can use. And so I think that's the other thing to keep in mind with a guy like Richardson. It's like, I don't I, I can't remember seeing him sneak. I mean, he probably did in, in college, right. but um, I just am assuming he's probably really good at it because he's, you know, huge and heavy and athletic and powerful. Um, An- so another brilliant coaching move there by whomever the fuck was coaching Florida to not, have I mean, him. I can't remember. He, he may have snuck. I, I, I didn't, didn't see very much of it either. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm missing. Uh, there was just, 
you know, I think so, uh, Renner was talking. I like the Renner pod on uh, on on ETR was good, but he was talking yeah. about how he was the best quarterback like ever in uh, in scrambles at twelve point six yards a scramble, which was like mind melting. So yeah, well, he, he's like, I mean, that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. The fastest, like one of the fastest quarterbacks, and he's like thirty pounds heavier than anybody that's as fast as him. Yep, he can break I mean, tackles. Trying to tackle that guy. Yeah, he can imagine break tackles. Tackle exactly. So yeah. I mean, if if he's if he's got one on one with somebody as he's scrambling, like for a lot of quarterbacks, that's the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like okay, I'm going down with him. It's like they're like, oh shit, is that Derrick Henry coming at me? Like he's a different yeah. kind of player for those reasons. I, I will say this: in a one quarterback league. Anthony Richardson is easily my QB one because he yeah, offers yeah. that upside in a super flex league. I almost look at it a little closer to the way I look at, um, you know, the real NFL, like, cause if the guy pans out or not, I need a guy to pan out. Cause when you're spending that premium pick, the one Oh two, one Oh three, one Oh four, it's not a, that's a premium pick. So for yeah. me, it's like, man, Oh man, I, in a lot of spots, I'd almost be willing to trade that pick if I feel compelled to take AR because I'm just so, so worried that he's not going to pan out. So I wonder what I can get, you know, what I would have to put on top of it to get to a Lamar Jackson or someone that already is going to do that type of shit for me, you know? So, mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, um, it's a risk. It's a, it's a calculated risk. I think, you know, I, that's the caveat you have to have, you know, if you like for me, I'm going to have him as my QB one. Right. But you have to have like a big caveat next to it. It's like basically how much risk are you willing to right. incur here? Because the payoff could be huge, but also this could be a wasted pick. No doubt. Speaking of wasted picks, uh, Will Levis. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> good, good segue. I'm a fan of any good segue. So that was great. <laughs> Will Levis. Um, Will Levis and Hendon Hooker. I notice in your draft guide you have them miles apart, and you know, just for me, you know, I'm like I said, I'm in your mom's basement, not you, Danny, but you know, the listeners. Um, I'm in your mom's basement. I'm doing all this research. And I have him a lot closer. I actually have Hennon Hooker a, a snitch ahead of him. Just, you know. Of Levis? Yes. I just mm-hmm. feel a little bit more secure with Hennon Hooker. Now, he's old, but so isn't Hooker. I mean, so isn't Levis. Levis, Levis is like 24 yeah. now. So they're like 25 and 24 or whatever. They're, mm-hmm. they're a year apart. I mean, it's not, you know, that's a, not a ton. They're both old. Um, they both have warts. Um, you know, I feel like Levis is this like brute force guy who can really spin it. I mean, that's what the the mm-hmm. scouts are going to love this sort of, I mean, he throws with huge velocity. So if he can ever put it all together, the throws to all over the field are, are available to Will Levis that much. I'll, I'll agree to. He's got a, he's got a sick arm, sick like arm. watching him, watching him. I'm like, I get why teams like this guy. Like, you know, yep. We, it's fun to make fun of like front offices for falling in love with bad quarterbacks, which happens every year. It yep. seems like, but like, I get why, Teams like Will Levis. Totally. When he throws the football. It's, it's impressive. Yeah, he's got a, a big, strong body. He He's like taking, you know, naked selfies of himself in the bathroom and posting him to Twitter. I mean. <laughs> so veiny. Just like, God, dude, eat a sandwich. It's too much. Very, very weird. This guy freaks me out. He's eating raw bananas with the peel. He puts mayonnaise in his coffee. He's taking these naked selfies. There's a lot to unpack here. Yeah, um, yeah. He's, you know, so it's a little, he's a little bit of a weird guy, but he also has like 12 inch hands and he can th- throw the ball like just meat hooks with electric, yeah. uh, you know, uh, velocity coming out of yeah. the hand and getting where it needs to go. So he's, he creates a lot of velocity, which is 
becoming a little less important. I mean, honestly, in sure. the game. Sure. Now it's like, you know, hey, man, Brock Purdy was the, you know, winning quarterback. I mean, a lot of these guys are, you know, it's just pinpoint accuracy. Get on down the field. Now, I know Mahomes has a big arm, but even last year didn't use it as much. Most of his stuff was conversion stuff. So it is still delivering the ball on target and on time. And I think just by a smidge for me, I, I think Hendon Hooker has a better ability to do that. Also, Hendon Hooker, sneaky athletic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that, you know, we've been talking about all these athletes, the Konami code, the whole thing. Somehow, Hendon Hooker, they're like, yeah, no, I don't know. He's fucking, yeah. Maybe it just, it might just be because he's hurt right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you kind of forget. But yeah, he was a scrambler. Um, you know, they, they would utilize him in that way. To me, the yeah, you're not you're not wrong. Like in terms of like, if you looked at it dispassionately, like from the prospecting point of view, like they're both kind of old. Yes, <laughs> they both have strong arms. They both can run around a little bit. They're both like tough, the good size, all that stuff. So like, they're maybe a little bit closer than I've got them. Yes, um, I I think the reason I gave Levis a big, pretty significant edge is I think he he played in a pro style offense which matters in, in this sense, especially because Le- uh, because Hooker played in like a fake offense. Like it yeah. was, that's the most college offense that ever college did. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yes. the guys are, you're, the guys are lining up on the sideline essentially. And like, you're creating all this space. It's one read, it's half field reads. Um, so there's a, to me, there's just like a way bigger projection. There's way more doubt in terms of whether he can come in and like run like a real offense in the NFL. And maybe there's a longer learning curve. He's already a year older than Levis. And maybe it was just my implicit bias that I think Levis is going to go away earlier. Yes. Um, which is part of the whole thing too. So I don't know. I think, I think that's not like you're not like way off base. I think like from a prospecting point of view, they're not really that different. You know, one of the um, things I'll share with you about like Hen and hooker too, is like, you know, he did play at Virginia tech. Now his freshman year was basically, he didn't do anything. So, okay. So his sophomore year was 2019 and the 2020 season, the, the COVID season was his junior season that he transferred the next year and played 21 and 22 at Tennessee. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think he was ever, you know, when he was playing at Virginia tech, he was, he was never really a, um, a pro prospect. Nobody was really looking at him, which I think hurts him because they were yeah, like, Oh, sure. all of a sudden now that he's in this offense, I should look at him. But if you go back and look at his Virginia tech stats, at least nobody was saying that that team was this unfair advantage throwing the football, but he was in Tennessee. He was 9.5 yards per attempt, 9.5 mm-hmm. in Virginia tech. He was 9.3. So, I mean, he has been pretty good. He was, he was yeah, 67% yeah. completion percentage at Tennessee excuse me. Yeah. 69, excuse me. 63 at Virginia tech. I mean, these things tend to get a little bit better as you go along. He got a little bit better. I mean, he was, you know, he was more prolific at, um, at, at, at Tennessee, no doubt, but it wasn't way different. I mean, he was pretty dang good. So I, I, you know, I just wonder, you know, how much of a, um, you know, of a boost he got there. I don't know, you know, well, yeah, I think uh, I was off the top of my head. I, I think Bucky Brooks, who's on the Move the Six podcast, I think yeah. he has Hooker ranked above several guys. I think he might have him ranked above Richardson even. Um, and so I think, you know, if the NFL is even remotely near that in terms of their evaluation, if if he does go in the first round, which is kind of the buzz, yeah. you know, these days, then Hooker looks like a massive value from a dynasty point of view. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like, he, I think, is a early second rounder ish at this point. Yeah. Um, I think if he gets and, the Jalen, the Jalen hurts Lamar Jackson treatment somewhere at the yeah. one, two turn ish, yeah. 
Yeah. I'm okay with him. You know, Drew Brees, Derek Carr, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts. There's been hits in that range for various reasons they fall. And, you know, of course, there's been Paxton Lynch in there too. So I'm not trying to say that they all yeah. they all work out there. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying that's not a dead zone for, you know, NFL success. And generally those prospects fall for various reasons. Hendon Hookers would be the injury in the age. But if, he's, if he gets taken there, that means someone still thinks that there's a there's there's some redeeming qualities um you know do you think it's possible uh and if so how how possible that Hendon Hooker gets drafted in the NFL ahead of Will Levis <laughs> I think it's possible I think anything is possible going back to what we said earlier like I you know I would not have guessed the, the quarterback class went down like it did last year you know I think that was never even a remote possibility in my mind that guy fall to <laughs> yeah I know it's around and so <laughs> Yeah, I, I believe in any anything is possible. I think you know there's there's been whispers that that Will Levis hasn't been exactly acing the interviews. Um, you know, there's been there's been whispers of everything. So I think you have to take everything with a grain of salt at this point. But um, you know, all this S two stuff, the, the yeah. cognitive test stuff, is just floating around. This is the this is literally they call it lying season for a reason. Like I don't know what to trust. Yes, I you know you hear a lot of stuff. It's sifting through it and trying to figure out what's real. I do think there's a chance Levis falls though. That is something that I keep hearing. Um, it may not happen depending yeah. on. By the way, depending on what happens at number one is going to be a huge pivot point. Yes. Because apparently... So good. You know, if, if the Panthers take Young, there's now whispers that the Texans won't want to take Stroud, and it, that could be Levis. And Levis could go that number could, two overall. That'd be you know, sick. So we got Mike Tannenbaum out here saying that Hendon Hooker is the best quarterback in this draft class. He mocked him to the Seahawks at five. You know... <sighs> Who knows what the NFL thinks, honestly. Like, maybe the NFL thinks that kind of way. I mean, I love Hendon Hooker, but I don't love Hendon Hooker that much. Jesus. Yeah, I'd be like, what are you guys doing? Don't do that. Like, he's not – yeah, maybe we – yeah. So, anyway, that is – that would be a a move. Um, Yeah, I don't see it like that. But I do see, um, you know, Hendon Hooker as being a little undervalued by, you know, some – and, 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 you know, yeah, of course, even fair. by you a little bit, I felt like, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm, but that, but I could be wrong too. Like, you know, many of these guys, most of them will all bust out. And that's really the truth is like, we're probably going to get one good quarterback out <laughs> of these. Bury the lead, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though. Yeah. All right. So let's do a little bit of rapid fire with some of these prospects that, um, that I just think are either interesting that I like, that I think are maybe overvalued, undervalued. I just, and, and what we'll do is I, I want to hear, you know, um, maybe where you have them ranked currently in your dynasty ranks. If you're still a little unsure, you can give me a little like, I don't know, three or four type of thing if you want. Mm-hmm. But either way, it'll it'll be fun to see where we where we have these guys. Um, yeah. I'd like to start with Jameer Gibbs, who I think is the consensus RB2. Is that yeah. where you have him? And what do you think of this guy? Yeah, he's my RB2. Um, I think I came in, I, this is how like scouting works. I think it's just, we're all human beings. I came in thinking I wasn't going to like him as much as the consensus was Right. for some reason, you know, I was just like, he's small. I'm probably not going to like him as much as everyone's like talking. Then I watched him. I was like, holy shit, this guy is, he's electric. He's just so fat. Like his acceleration is otherworldly. Like he is the, the most explosive accelerator, I think, other than maybe, um, Devon A. Chain, he's the most explosive accelerator in this class. And so um, I think there's a place for that. He's, he has a, 
a place in the NFL. My question with him is just how much volume he's going to get. Um, Cause he's, you know, he's more landing spot sensitive, I think, than some of the other running backs potentially in this class. But I think he has a higher upside because he's so good at like catching passes and things like that. So um, I like him. He's my number. He's my RB2. I got him at uh, eight overall. Yeah. In my, in my rookie rankings. And so I, th- I think, you know, he, he's a guy that um, he's a little bit landing spot sensitive just because if he's not in, on a team where they're going to like really utilize him, if he lands with it, like a quarterback, like, like a mobile quarterback that doesn't jump it off ever, like that's going to hurt him. Um, and I don't think he's going to get a ton of volume on the ground, but I really like him. I think he's a super talented guy. So that means that you have a couple of, you don't have to, to spoil it yet because we'll get there, but you have a couple of wide receivers ahead of him in the, in the regular rankings uh, past JSN. Maybe, um, is that right? Oh, sorry. Let's see. I got him. No, I have him at six overall. Six. I, that, I was going to say, because it's I like, it wrong. no, it's like the three quarterbacks, Bijan, JSN, and then, it's like Gibbs is just has to be there. He's like the next guy. And what's interesting is I yep. think that the NFL draft could potentially move shit a little bit there because it's so interesting because we're just sort of – he's the default sixth player. And um, I'm not saying he doesn't doesn't deserve it. He's He's got a, a number of great comps when it comes to like C.J. Spiller and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, even Reggie Bush, even DeAndre Swift and – you know, players like that, Aaron Jones. I mean, he he gets. That's who I comped him to. Yeah, he, I, I think he looked like Aaron Jones out there. Dude, he's fast. He's yeah. so fast, man, and he's a great pass catcher. I mean, he was one point three six yards per team pass attempt. Um, he was eleven point eight yards per catch. Um, you know, he's a he's a hell of a player. He had a you know he had mm-hmm. a twelve hundred yard season by his sophomore season. Uh, in terms of pure uh, pure yardage, so I mean he was an early producer. Obviously, transfers to Alabama becomes a slick pass catcher. They used him a little less in the run game there, which of course is the fear at the NFL level is that he's not going to be a bell cow and he could be sort of scripted and schemed out of the game plan because he's yeah. not in every you know down and distance. So a little bit like DeAndre Swift has been marginalized, we could see Jameer Gibbs sort of follow that same that same fate. Yeah, you know. Somebody mentioned this after I had already like scouted him and stuff, and they and it was like essentially he ran inside like on like ten percent of his runs or less than that. It was like five percent of his runs were like on the inside. Yeah. And I started and I and I, obviously you noticed that, but maybe not to the magnitude of that, what it actually was. Right. And then you go back and watch like, oh my god, he really is bouncing everything. It was either a stretch run, a, like a pitch run, or he was bouncing it. You know what I mean? And so yeah. that is a little bit of a concern. In, in retrospect, but at the same time, like he's so good on those plays. Like if, again, if he lands with a team that just wants to use him to get like defenses stretched out, you know, like, you know, in a wide zone offense where, you know, you're, you're doing that like as a base thing. Like, I think that makes a lot of sense. It's, it, the fit will matter. Yes. Um, and I have, a, I have a suspicion he'll land on one of those teams. Yes. Um, yep. But you know, that is, that does make him just a little bit more sensitive. Yeah. To the, like, the first like, thing that I would look for wherever Jameer Gibbs lands is that team's projected pass attempts. That's it. Right. Yeah. Like that's it. Cause he's going to get good target share, but if he gets good target share of 300 attempts versus 600 attempts, then I prefer any team that passes the ball a lot. That's all I yeah. care about with Jameer Gibbs yeah. period. Yeah. End of story. All I give a shit, I don't care what quarterback, oh, the quarterback, that quarterback doesn't really target the, I don't want to hear any of it. He's a pass game weapon, and I want to see him land on a team that throws the ball a lot, end of, end of story. Um, yeah. You mentioned the most bursty player in the running back room, but may I interest you in my uh, heartthrob, 
Izzy Abanacanda, who yeah. is 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 plenty big, 5'11, 217, and was the most bursty uh, you know, uh running back as he had the mm-hmm. highest burst score on player profile, which basically means the two jumping drills, the vertical and the broad jump, as well as running a four three nine at 217 pounds. That is JT Antonio Gibson territory. Um, so, I, you know, he's starting to remind me a little bit of uh, of Antonio Gibson in, in so far. I don't think he's exactly the same player. That's not what I'm saying. Just saying that mm-hmm. that big, strong athlete that rises up draft boards, I think is going to get draft capital. You just can't ignore the speed and athleticism and youth yeah. of Izzy Abanacanda. Yeah, he I've discussed him on other pods and, and I essentially am – He's not the type of running back I usually like. Um, he's sort of, you know, everybody has their own biases on like styles that they like. I typically like guys running backs. I mean, I grew up on Marshawn Lynch, right? Like, yeah, he, he a guy that creates on his own, breaks tackles, is juking the pants off of guys, blah blah blah. Like to me, that is like the tip top version of what a running back can be. And totally. I'll, um, and Izzy is not that like, he doesn't break tackles. In fact, if you look at <laughs> this is this not to say that he's not going to be good. No, I agree with this though. 2.67 yards after contact per attempt, 133rd out of 169 qualifying rushers, according to PFF, 109th out of 169 in elusive rating. Yeah. He is not a tackle breaker. Right. He's not a guy that makes you miss. He's a slasher. Yep. Um, and so again, to me, I'm biased. I'm, this is not typically the guy I like. Um, but I acknowledge and I'm aware and I'm going to rank him as such that I do think you're right. He's probably going to get better than expected uh, draft capital. Maybe that's third round. Um, and if he lands in a team where he, they allow him to like do his thing slashing. Yep. Like the Dolphins, for instance, yes. or something like that. Like I'm going to be extremely excited about this guy because he has incredible acceleration, incredible breakaway speed. Um, I think that along with like Gibbs and like A-Chain, he has the ability to access like creases and gaps in the line that most other running backs would just miss. Like they wouldn't get there in time. Right. Um, and so that is like his way of creating, you know, it's not necessarily all tackle breaking. Isn't the only way to gain yards. That's right. And so um, mm-hmm. I, I haven't been as high on him. I think as a lot of other people because of the style that he brings, but like if he lands somewhere, he, he's going to, he's like kind of like, uh, you know Pacheco or something yes. not necessarily the same style but like yes. he could like have way more volume than you think just because he runs so hard runs so fast he can he can create explosives which teams want um and so yeah and he's young he's like 20 years old um he's the perfect blend of size and speed so i while he's not one of my favorites i acknowledge he has a pretty good path to like potential to potential volume in, in fantasy and land and everything you, you so nailed, I'm, I'm kind that. of into it you yeah. nailed it though danny the 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 red the giant red flag he's dragging behind him is his ability to have nuance he's not mm-hmm. a nuanced tackle breaker you know inside the whole guy i mean you watch it when you know you watch his game film it's like you know there are times where you're like what was that? You know what I mean? There's like, there's plays that he just, but, and then the the next play he's gone for 80. So yeah, he's a bit of a boom bust runner and, but he is young. So that does mean that he has the, at least opportunity to learn those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, there, you know, you can't teach speed. You can teach nuance, but you know, so he's got the thing you can't teach. I, I don't think that players tend to change their stripes too much when it comes to, you know, tackle breaking they that is that is mm-hmm. a problem it is a red flag and that's what keeps him from being that in the past catching was not outstanding um he, yeah he, he had enough he had a 
He had a 24 catch season, um, <clears throat> excuse me, a year ago. And so that, that does give him, you know, the pass catching chops to at least qualify as a pass catcher at the next level. But those two things are the red flags. I'm with you. Uh, yeah. Another guy with a couple red flags. Oh, by the way, where do you have Izzy um, right now? Let me see. I've got him. He's my RB nine. It's fair. I I think I would probably move him up maybe a spot or two just because of the draft capital thing. Yeah. I'll just. I mean, I'm not going to publish this till after the draft, and then yeah. that'll change obviously. But like right now, I've got him behind guys like Kendra Miller, Roshan, Tajay Spears, um, Zach Evans, who I just really like. I, I kind of acknowledge Zach Evans might be a pipe dream, but like. I just thought he was one of the best runners in this class. Yep. So I've got him at RB nine, um, but that's you know sort of conservative, just based on where I've like looked at him like on tape. But he could rise certainly with landing spots. Yeah, guys, like I'll just I'll share this with you. I use the you know the sort of anatomy of a of a of an elite running back, and one of the things that the anatomy sort of data tells us is that you know thirty BMI is something that you need in order to be an elite running back in this in the NFL. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, even the pass catchers that have been elite ones, Alvin Kamara was 216, 220 pounds, whatever he was, 215. Um, you know, most of these guys do have the the requisite BMI. Even Aaron Jones and, you know, um, Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey was pretty close, and he's actually put weight on. You can certainly see it at the NFL level, but he was close. Yeah. He was 29 and change, uh, you know, almost almost 30. He was just under, but, but he was not 27, 28. You look at some of these guys like, you know um, – uh, Zach Evans and Devon A-Chain, they're miles away, miles away. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. for those reasons, I do have Izzy Abanacana above them, but I agree with you that they have other attributes that, um, that that could push them above too. And draft capital will sort of sort that a little bit for us as well. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm with you. You know, we, we do see the same thing. One guy that you mentioned was Roshan Johnson, who I've been steaming up a little bit, but some people, you know, <laughs> I had Matt Kelly on the show and him and player profiler have steamed him up super like I think they have met RB4 so of course I was anti when I was talking to him but when I was talking mm-hmm. to everybody else I'm like Roshan's the man talk to the guy who loves him the most I'm like yeah you know I'm not so sure about this Roshan people are like did he change his tune it's just like I don't hate players I hate ADPs where do you have Roshan what that do you think sense. of this guy yes I've got him as my RB5 um so right down the middle I, I think for me he's the type of guy that is gonna endear himself to coaches a lot Kind of like the Jamal Williams totally. corollary. It's like totally. I can just see coaches playing this guy over like Zach Evans or whoever we want him to play kind of deal. You know what I mean? hundred um, percent. And so I think that gives him a little bit of bump. But I think at the end of the day, like he breaks a ton of tackles. Again, he's kind of my style. He catches passes. He does the dirty work. He pass protects. Um, he's a pretty good runner, honestly. Like yep. he's not, he doesn't have a ton of juice. He's not going to be a breakaway runner, um, but he breaks tackles. He's got a, a pretty good feel for, um, you know, picking the right lane and all that stuff. I think he's just kind of been buried, obviously, uh, behind Bijan. And it would have been interesting to see what his stats would have looked like if Bijan had gone to Texas because, you know, he I think he led the team in rushing as a as a true freshman or whatever his first year was. He, he, yeah, um, he was great as a true freshman. Yeah, I don't remember yeah. if he led the team, but he was – yeah, he had um, 800 yards. I mean, that's pretty good. And yeah. and, and he had 23 catches, um, you know, in, in a single season, 56 for his career. Um, he, he did run a 4.58. Uh, his speed score is right at the, you know, 99 or 100, you know, which is kind of the where you need it to be a little bit higher. Yeah. You know, that's right mm-hmm. on the edge. Uh, it's good enough. You know, he's in the Brian Robinson, Javante Williams phylum. You know, I mean, I've heard some Javante comps. Brian you know, Robinson's a great comp for him. Yeah. It is, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I got I comped him to Chris Carson, but I really like the Brian Robinson one too. He's sort of like the 
less wear and tear of Brian Robinson or whatever. Yeah. I, you know, maybe actually they probably did. They that, both that did that, right? They were both. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's why I like it too. I mean, but he is that big back that, you know, is sort of a pros pro. And I think he's even more, I think he's better than Brian Robinson, mm-hmm. but I think it's close enough to, to sort of make a good comp. And the Brian Robinson one, you know, you said it though. He's like the, he's the, he was like the captain of the team. He's yep. the team leader. He was the alpha at the senior bowl. You were there. You saw it. Yeah, yeah. Tell us a little bit about what you saw. I mean, it was one day, but what was the the vibe yeah. coming off Roshan Johnson at the senior bowl? I mean, he just looked like a professional running back. You know what I mean? Like, obviously that's not everything, but like he was towering over these other guys. Like he was catching the ball very cleanly. He just looked very comfortable doing everything and this was the first day because i think he broke his hand the first or second day yeah first and day and he, and he was like i'll still play and they're like no you you have to just stop playing chill, now. Dude. chill yeah. yeah um yeah he just looked the part obviously that's not everything but um especially you know compared to a guy like tajay spears or whoever like he was just towering over these dudes um and so uh you know this is, it's a big man's game. It, it really is like, obviously small guys can succeed if they have special talents otherwise, otherwise, but like, you know, he's got the size, he's got the versatility. He's got the, from everything you hear, he's like the character is like out of this world. Good. Like he, he's the type of guy, like a glue guy that teams are going to love. And I think all that put together is going to get him drafted on day two, potentially. Um, yep. You know, maybe at the end of the third round, I could just see him sneaking in. He's kind of didn't Brian Robinson go in round three? Like I could see yeah. sitting right around the same draft capital, totally come in. And honestly, like it wouldn't be that surprising if he took the job of some other guy. He's not very reliable, kind of like Brian Robinson did with Antonio Gibson. Um, yeah, <laughs> and so you know, obviously, you have it, it, all these guys are landing spot dependent. But like yes. I think he could develop into a pro. Uh, like a pretty good early down guy. They also utilize him in the passing game. Maybe the just goal rotate. Line too. Yeah, go on, rotate uh, series and all that stuff. Like, he's just so dependable. Yeah. Um, he's a pro. I just, yeah. yeah. I yeah. see the coaches falling in love with this He's guy. such a safe pick, you know, somewhere in the second or third round of your rookie draft. I mean, he probably will go sooner than that. Just depends. We'll see. After the draft, things will change. There's going to be someone who gets a little bit of steam. But, you know, he's such a safe player in that way. I don't think he's – he might have a little access to ceiling. He could definitely lead a, a backfield just because, as you say, he could do it all. Pass, protect. Uh, catch the football goal line, obviously run early down. He's, he's definitely, uh, you know, a guy who could have a 70, 30 split and have the bigger side Yeah. on the, on the wide receiver side. I've got a guy I want to talk about. And, you know, Scott Connor just had made a tweet about, you know, for, for dynasty again, you know, really once you get past pick 40 or 45 in, in the NFL draft, these wide receivers tend to be very, very spotty hits. You don't get very totally. many hits. There's a few, I mean, you know, some years better than others. The DK Metcalf year, there was a few Deontay Johnson, DK, and some other guys were in that that yeah, zone. But there's just like 35 of them for like in the last like five years or whatever. It's like that's where you get spammed receivers, and sometimes they don't work out. Totally, totally. And the top 40 or so are generally pretty pretty dope uh, by 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 and large. Well, there's a couple of players on that precipice. One is a guy that you know. I, I saw Scott Barrett tweet about him. We were starting to steam him up here at the Undroppables, me and Chalk. And, you know, I was like, dude, have you seen? I asked Matt Kelly about, you know, Marvin Mims, you know, yeah. just analytically, <laughs> analytically looks so good. And mm-hmm. and then, you know, when Scott Barrett had tweeted the thing about his high school production, like he's the most productive high school player in like Texas football history or some shit. Like, yeah. you know, I mean – is this guy just good? And if if so, can we find a way to get him into the top 40 or 50? Do you think this is possible? Yeah, I do think it's possible. So, um, 
this he he has the feel of a guy that we look back in two years and we're like, why did we not think this guy was going to be an elite receiver? You totally, I mean? totally. Because if you look back, not not even mentioning he was like a true freshman, was very productive right away for Oklahoma, was productive all three years. Uh, you know, like elite high end athletic marks. He was like run, ran in the four threes. He's been productive going back to his high school. He was Mister Texas football, right? And like, what else is there? Like, what else do we need to do to like explain yes. to you that he's good? You know what I mean? Kind of deal. Yes. Um, uh, he played outside, so he played seventy five percent slot in twenty twenty one, and then seventy percent outside in twenty twenty two. So he's played all over the formation. There you go. He's been productive. Again, he's got the speed. He's he's he lacks size, but like, so does everybody nowadays. Um, I don't know. Like to me, there's not there's not much to dislike about him. I, I kind of don't really get why he hasn't been more hyped before now. And, and Scott Barrett was a, a big part of the reason I like started getting really excited about him. Cause I, I was telling Scott about Mims and then Scott came back and was like, dude, his analytical profile is sick. Like what's not to like about this. And I was like, yeah, what's not to like about this? I don't know. Um, and so, you know, he, he's just a guy, he popped for me on tape. Um, and then it's a cherry on top that like analytically is very strong. Um, oh, on know. top of that, um, the reception perception from Matt Harmon was very f- favorable to him, especially because I was trying to like break ties between like Marvin Mims and Jalen Hyatt. And yeah. some of this stuff has broken the tie. I'm just so much more in on Mims. Matter of fact, I, if you haven't updated yours recently, you may not have him this high, but I have actually Marvin Mims as my wide receiver five in this draft. And mm. I feel like you know, I could be talked into him moving up even. Um, I don't really see a pathway to move him down very much because, you know, behind him I've got Josh Downs, Jaden Reed, Trey Palmer, Kayshawn Boutte, Jalen Hyatt, like none of those guys. Like Mims is clearly a top five wide receiver for me right now. Uh, are yeah. you feeling that or are you maybe yeah, yeah. a little bit cooler? I'm like afraid to do that, I'm not, but you're not a coward like me, <laughs> uh, which I think is the big deal here. Uh, like honestly, like <laughs> – when we sit, when we talk about it and lay it all out, I'm like, why wouldn't I have him over Hyatt and Dallas? Hyatt just won the Bolitnikov. Like, I mean, he's, I think he's good. He's probably going to, he might be a first rounder. So maybe, the, maybe it's crazy to say this, but like, you know, obviously right now with us not knowing draft capital and landing spot, like, yes. Marvin Mims looks better. Yeah. 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 No, no, no. <laughs> if, if, if Jalen Hyatt gets picked at pick 20 and Marvin Mims gets picked at pick 75, well, I've got to That's change different. this. I've got to change this. I've got to look at this. I've got to go back. I've got to reevaluate what I'm thinking. And I totally get it. But if, if Jalen Hyatt gets picked at, you know, 30, 30 and Mims goes at 42, I'm not worried. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. One's the first round or one's, you know, early to mid second round or it's like, that's eh, fine. I'm okay with that. You know, that's, that's, that's yeah. a, that's a difference I can live with. I had, um, we did an off-brand name brand pod the other day for the Ringer Fantasy Show, or sorry, for the Ringer NFL Draft Show. It's also the Ringer Fantasy Football Show, too. Um, Which you need to go season. check out, because they're awesome. So, I we did a name brand off-brand, and if you look at the, and I actually had, um, I had Hyatt as the name brand, Mims versus the off-brand. Yes. Um, and if you look at everything, like, honestly, they're almost exactly the same size. They're like five, six, seven pounds apart. Um, Mims ran a faster 40 their his 20 yard split was faster their 10 yard split was exactly the same their vertical was a half inch off so Hyatt had a 40 inch vert Mims 39 and a half Mims had a little bit better or sorry Hyatt had a little bit better uh broad jump but like they're essentially the same athlete more or less yep. and then 
obviously Hyatt's stats this year were ludicrous and like way better. But if you if you break it down, like yards per route run, obviously Hyatt had a bit of an edge there. But yep. like you know, drop rate was exactly the same. Contested catch rate was very similar. They both Hyatt missed uh, forced eight tackles, missed Mim seven. Um, Yak per reception, so yards after catch per reception, Mims had the advantage. Um, they played the same role, both field stretchers, top end speed and burst, both lack play strength, both were lack, both were knocked for lack of route precision or diversity, both were knocked for the offense they play in. Yep. And I think you can get Mims for well, I don't know about in rookie drafts now, but like two weeks ago you probably could have got Mims for way cheaper. Yes. People are people are definitely like hyping him up now. And he's kind of been <clears throat> you know, every, every fanalist, every fantasy analyst's favorite receiver. But, um, but yeah, I mean, like in the real draft, like he's to me, definitely the discount version for Jalen Hyatt. Yeah. So, I mean, Jalen Hyatt, uh, in 20 and 21 did very, very little. Um, he, he topped out at two touchdowns, topped out at 276 yards in his best season. Meanwhile, Marvin Mims topped out at 720 yards and nine touchdowns. Um, Mm -hmm. Marvin Mims also 19 and a half yards, per catch over his career. Yeah, big play. Jalen Hyatt's best season wasn't even 19. It was 18-9. So, you know, yes, um, Jalen Hyatt did show out this last year, but career achievement award is Mims. They're both early declares. And so draft capital, as long as it's close, I prefer Mims. um, And it sounds like I might have convinced you to do the same. Yeah, I'm with you. I think he has a path to more volume. Like he's just more rounded, more Bingo. well-rounded. That's the um, thing. That's the thing. Yeah. I can project him from more targets because he can do more at the next level as per evidenced by the reception perception. That's one thing. And then also the early uh, production just means that I think he's a little bit more of a gifted player uh, and more well-rounded. So those two things are, are the yeah. tiebreakers. And yeah, Hyatt was, I remember this past year, I was like, is this fucking Jalen Hyatt like legit? Um, right. Speaking of is he legit, we'll, we'll maybe we probably have to wrap here pretty soon. But Jordan Addison, yeah, I, I mean, right now my uh, wide receiver two in the class. Um, there are some I forget who it was. I, I don't know if it was Jeremiah or someone had him as uh, you know the the number one receiver in the class over JSN. I'm not there. Jeremiah has him. Yeah, I think Jeremiah has him as his wide receiver one. Right. So I mean, it's fine. Um, are you with the? So, you does, with so does Lance, I believe. Lance Zerlane. Maybe it was Lance Zerlane. One of the. I'm pretty sure they both do. There you no, go. Actually, Lance. No, that's wrong. I, I'm wrong. Uh, that's okay. Lance has Hyatt. Whoa. Um, whoa. Whoa. That's his number one. Oh my god. He got some flack for that. I, I get like why he why he did it just because he's basically like elite at one the one thing he's like sort of known for. He's like actually elite at it. Yeah, so it I feels like Henry Ruggs reasoning. all over again though. I mean. Yeah, that's maybe. I mean, um, Henry Ruggs did go first overall. I mean, you know, wide receiver taken above. CD, CD Lamb that. and Justin Jefferson. Wow. Totally, yeah. totally smart move at the, in the moment. Um, yeah, the Raiders have been just nailing the draft oh. lately. Uh. They took him a pick ahead of Tristan Wirfs, too, just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> That's tough. You can't make it up. Uh, so I've, I've got I've got Addison as my second receiver also. There we go. With a, with a lot of trepidation. Me too. Yeah, totally. I think there's a huge chasm between Smith and Jigba and – Addison and Flowers, who I've got clumped together next. Yep, me too. Um, to me, it's just like Addison is tiny. It's the same question you get with like the Bryce Young thing. Like he's a very good football player. Yes, like, if you go watch him a pit, especially last year in twenty twenty one, I should say. Um, you know, he was he looked like the best receiver in football, and so yes. it's hard to forget that part yep. of it. 
Um, and maybe it was like a function of the offense. Maybe it was a function of the way that Caleb Williams plays or whatever. But like you would have expected more when he went and played with like the next Mahomes. You know what I mean? Like I just kind of expected him to do more this year. But he, Me too. But credit to him, like he was changing offenses, changing OCs, changing quarterbacks, and he still was pretty productive. Um, you know, he's a route technician. He's he's a, he's a savvy guy. He's he is literally like the Bryce Young of of receivers. Right. He's just small. Right. And that's worrisome. Um, I think he could be maxed out. And really, this is the problem with like almost every receiver in this class. He could be maxed out as a wide receiver too. Yep. Um, but there are no real true number ones, at mm-hmm. least not on the on like, you know, not clearly. There's no alphas in this group. I would say. Right. As far as we Quinn can Johnson see, Johnson yeah. just has too many question marks. For totally. Me. Yeah. So um, he, he's he's to me, it's just sort of like. He's a very good football player. The, the size thing worries me, but I still think he's probably going to get volume in the NFL. Yeah, I agree. I th- he can do it all, right? He can play everywhere on the field. And he, you know, he was uh, Caleb Williams sort of preferred target. Like if you watched games, it would be like when they needed one, he was looking his way. You right, know, right. I feel like, you know, they, they scored a lot. He threw a lot and he was unafraid to throw it to any open player because he's just that good. Like he didn't mm-hmm. need to lock. He, he didn't need that security to blanket. But when he did, it was Addison. Like it was like, sure. oh, where's Addison? Right. They put him in a little motion like, no, no, we're going to get this motherfucker open. You know, um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, totally. totally. So and in Pittsburgh, it was one of the in pit, I should say, whatever, how, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> You sounded like such a boomer there. Yeah, right. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, yeah. you know, uh, Pitt, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Go boomer. Um, <laughs> Kenny Pickett was probably a little bit more likely to lock on, you know, and yeah. rightfully so. Cause I mean, I'm sure that at that point, you know, Addison was probably head and shoulders above, you know, other players there, whatever, I, you know, but he, he does have that, that sophomore season that you can't take away. And you're right. right if, if we were drafting after the sophomore season for this class, I mean, Addison for me was a clear, you know, wide receiver one. Well, I JSN was right there too. These guys are one and two. I'm I'm not a I know, I'm not going to waver. Tough. Yeah, it, honestly, with both of these guys, like you almost just throw out 2022. It's you it's a to. bit silly to say that, but yeah. like, you know, uh, everything Addison did, like he made Pickett a first round pick. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, um, you know, more or less, he, he was just so good. He was so explosive. He, his yards per uh, catch. He had a hundred catches and he averaged uh 15.9 yards per catch. <laughs> like he was to me, like his vertical element, maybe it was just a function of the offense again. Like this is kind of what you have to take into account. But like his he looked he if I think back to Addison's 2021, he was constantly creating just huge plays. Huge. And I think he has that in him to do still. Um it was just a little bit disappointing, I think, that it didn't happen this year as much. Like, or it didn't feel like it did anyway. I totally um, agree. I was I was hoping for more. And, you know, I mean, he 875 yards, you're right. And eight touchdowns, it's not not that awesome, you know. But eye-popping by any means. No, and I mean. He didn't run that fast. He's small. Yeah. Um, there's just, like, red flags are kind of starting to, like, pop up. Yes. Uh, and, you know, conversely, on the, on the other hand with, like, Mims, like, where you're like, why didn't we like Mims? Like, yeah. <laughs> if if Addison busts, I think we'll be able to look back in two years and be like, well, we probably should have saw that coming. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like at the same time, he's so good. Like he, it's hard to like look past how good he was um, in 2021. And like, you know what I mean? Like I, I still see that as sort of like his ceiling is like a, a really, really good number two. Um, sort of like maybe like a Devonte Smith kind of guy. Exactly. Um, you yeah. know what I mean? Like 
just gonna make he's just a gamer gonna make big plays for you and like his size isn't that big of a factor so um i do like him it but i think there are general worries when it comes to him just because of his size and, and lack of like explosive speed yeah if you if you can slot him in across from another sort of alpha i mean obviously the 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 landing spot du jour for mr wide receiver is in minnesota uh where he could just play on the opposite side of justin jefferson which would be epic um you know it'd be very very hard to cover those two players a la aj brown Devonte smith and so yeah i mean if he can if he can find a spot like that you know unlike maybe being the alpha in new England would be, you know, curtains. I'm sure then he'd bust for sure. <laughs> don't you put that on me. Yeah. Bet on it. Bet on it. If he goes to new England, don't you worry. Uh, Hey, you know, uh, Danny, I know you got to get out. Um, so we'll finish on this one. Um, you know, one of my players that I, you know, I, 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 uh, I put out my ranks, um, you know, just sort of screenshotted my wide receiver rankings and put them out and said, you know, who's too high, who's too low. Mm-hmm. You know, and people, it's great for the feedback. And I love hearing people's opinion, actually, because sometimes it, it did make me move a couple guys around after, you know, hearing them. And, and other times, you oh, know, yeah, it's like a gut check. It's like, am I crazy? Maybe I am crazy. Yes. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. And and it's good to get a little crowdsourcing. You know, you're crazy about this. What about that? And, you know, sometimes people will be like, move high it up. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. Fuck you. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah, you have to have like conviction on some guys one sure. of the guys i'm starting to have a little bit of conviction on and it sounds like maybe i've got a partner in crime here is jaden reed yeah you like jaden reed yeah he's one of those guys who i'm like i kind of want him to be like under the radar so i can get him in a lot of these rookie drafts yeah um he went he lasted i'm in a rookie draft right now he lasted until like three nine three oh nine or three ten wow. um which maybe i guess that's around where his adp is or whatever but like to me, that's a huge bargain. Like he has a chance um, from everything you're kind of hearing to go on day two. I think he's and maybe like higher on day two than you think. Maybe like a late second round type player. He can go. He can come in and be like a return man for you. He has more size than any of these players. Like he's he's still on the small guy spectrum, but like on the small guy spectrum, he's big. Like he's you know five eleven one ninety or whatever five one eleven one eighty seven. Yes. Um, he has, from what I saw, like he has no problem getting off press. He's really good, quick feet, like a, the quote unquote release package, I think is really good. Like he has no problem getting off the line into his route. He has very good speed. He tracks the ball beautifully. Um, I'm just going off the top of my head. He ha- he turns into a running back after the catch, I think. Like he's got that low yes. center of gravity, sort of good forward lean. He's just like explosive. Sort of not, and believe me, I'm not comparing him to this person, but like, very very shades of like a percy harvin after the catch where like he turns into like low center of gravity like explosive he's not nearly as explosive as percy was but like of course not right body type wise they're somewhat similar and so um yeah man i just think there's a lot to like it if you look at his if you watch his offense this last year it was terrible um and so the the passing game just wasn't good his numbers weren't nearly as good as what they could have been in a different offense um and you know going back couple years i believe he started in western michigan he did and he was like out producing d eskridge who was like a second round pick for the seahawks by the way which just pisses me off um but yeah so to me there's just a lot to like here there's very very interesting player and and to top it all off like cherry on top he was one of my favorite players at the senior bowl he just looked really good there yeah so um you know he's another one of those guys i'm like what's not to like i guess like his stats were not very strong this year and he's a senior right um but the way he started, at least, I think is promising. He had to go the, 
the transfer route, but um, as, yeah, as, yeah, look as a true going. freshman, as a true freshman at Western Michigan, he put up 800 yards and eight touchdowns. Um, he was, he, you know, immediately productive transfers to Michigan state in the COVID year, you know, was pretty good on a per game basis there. Uh, and then in his junior year, man, he was great, you know, over a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns. Um, and you're right this past year. I don't know. I, I don't, I, I didn't, uh, you know, only six, just over 600 yards, five touchdowns. So he wasn't outstanding, but you know, so I wasn't sure about all that, but then I heard all the buzz from the senior bowl and no matter where I turned, Anybody I trusted, yourself, uh, the player profiler guys, uh, Thor Nystrom, all the people mm-hmm. that I sort of go to for my senior bowl sort of information were kind of like, yeah, Jaden Reed was fucking great, man. And yeah. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm a big fan of Jaden Reed. I also think, you know, there's got to be a point at which in, and this is a little dynasty game through one one there's got to be a point at which you just stop drafting wide receivers in your rookie draft and you switch to just, you know, running backs, tight ends and, you know, Maybe a, a you know wide receiver late, but my goodness, at some point they're gonna all be shit bags. I'm telling you. Whereas the <laughs> it's true, but you know yeah. you look at like the sixth round, fifth round, fourth round of running backs in the real NFL draft. You find guys like Aaron Jones, uh, Ramondre Stevenson, Elijah Mitchell. Uh, Eckler goes undrafted. Right there's a there's a there's a slew of guys, James Robinson, etc., who have been fantasy producers. Um, you know, after round two or three. Whereas if you do the same thing with your wide receivers, they tend to just not be there. So just wide receiver fours on teams. Yeah, and yeah, they do you no good. So don't worry about it. Um, you know, so I'm trying to figure out which ones of these guys, when it comes to like the Mims and the Hyatts and the, you know, uh, Jaden Reeds, they got to get a little draft capital um, because the the fourth round and on is is just really a death zone for wide receivers. Um, mm. So. You know, at some point we got to stop drafting him. I'm wondering if Jaden Reed is one of those guys that I'll be pushing the button for, especially as you point out. We got him in a in a mock that we did with the player profiler at 3.01, and you, you know, you, you were in a draft that just goes three eight, three nine. So yeah, somewhere in that third round. Well, hey, if the, if those elite running backs, you know, whatever the top ten, usually get sort of pushed up, if they're gone and you want to take a a shot at a couple of those receivers, I think Jaden Reed does stand to to be a pretty good value as an early third round pick again, provided he gets, you know, day two capital. Yeah. Yeah. He, he went off the board at three ten. There it is. In this, in this one that I just am doing right now, it's a super flex, uh, tight end premium. There it is. So probably a couple of tight ends push him down a little bit. Yep. Definitely. Yep. Yeah. Washington, Laporta all went before him. Zach yeah. Kincaid and Mayer yeah. and probably Musgrave. <clears throat> Musgrave did not actually. Whoa. We picked Musgrave. We picked Musgrave at three twelve. Oh my which god! Feels like a pretty good value considering he's probably going to be a second round pick. Heck um, yeah, dude! Musgrave is sneaky because he's got all the athleticism. Um, you know, he's got the he's got a body. I mean, he's big. He's yeah. six five, almost six six, two fifty plus. And then you know his. It, it, a lot of guys will look at his production and kind of say, "Oh, not very good." But if you look at it, his final year, he had like two hundred yards in two games. Right, like he right. was, he was their a, passing offense. <laughs> yeah. He was on his way and then got hurt. So, I mean, at the end of the day, like he was going to, I mean, presumably put up a pretty big season production wise and would have been way, way higher in the, in the eyes of the analytic dynasty folk. But I'm telling you, man, if uh, you know, I I'm auto click on, on Musgrave after that yeah. round three. I mean, it's just such an easy pick because he's got the upside to be a legit starting tight end. You're right. Once he gets day two cap or whatever, I, I mean, you know, round two cap, I think he's going to go in, in the second round as well. Um, I, I think it's over. Then, you know, he'll get pushed up, especially, but yeah. tight end premium for him to go at three twelve. that's stealing. Great, great pick. Yeah. I like that one. Oh, 
I love Tucker Craft's still on the board too, which I think is interesting. Yeah. So we'll, see. well, that's the thing. If if you're in these tight, especially if it's tight end premium, you got to stop drafting the wide receivers. Just draft them early and then just take all tight ends. But even in a standard, you know, league, I mean, you don't know which tight end is going to be. You know, I mean, these, no, these it's, guys, it's like throwing darts a little bit. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. what I mean. It's like tight end and running back late. You don't know what you, you know, just take them. You don't know what the hell you're going to get, you know? Right. Who's going to get injured and have give them an opportunity to come in and play? Kate Otten last year, a little Bingo. bit felt like that. Yeah. Um, Chig. Chig was late. Chig Aquanquo. Yeah, he was for late. sure. Even, like Dulcich was like mid to late second round. Yep. Depending on where you're drafting. Yeah, so, you just want to take shots and and you know these these guys can then just be traded. I mean, you could probably trade uh Chig for a late first in a lot of leagues right now. I mean, yeah. he's getting steamed up big time. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, hey man, you were uh you, of course we ran a little bit longer. I'm sorry. I do this. I'm no, guilty right. as charged. It's my fault. <laughs> I could No worries, dude. We could keep I, going I was for another a good time hour. talking ball. Yeah, no, I like I love talking about dynasty. It's like honestly like I do all the I do the normal like the real life draft stuff, but like I'm always thinking dynasty like that's definitely where my mind is like always you know thinking with these receivers running backs tight ends it's just dynasty so fun man it's so So. fun dude and i'll tell you what i know this is like a super busy time for you when you get a little downtime come on back we'll talk some more dynasty we'll just have a regular old dynasty conversation uh this was a little bit draft centric of course we got the draft just coming around the corner but uh love to have you on again man i absolutely uh absolutely love having you on the people love it too for sure Tell, t- hey, um, you got to go to the ringer.com uh, for sure if you're not already there. But Danny's work is awesome. He's got an awesome draft guide, an NFL draft guide. So if mm-hmm. you're a super draft Nick or even if you're just trying to like uh, get familiarized with all the players so that you can be prepared for the actual NFL draft when it comes, you yeah. do actually – this is a legit uh, recommendation. You want to go to his – uh, content on the ringer.com. Check it out. I absolutely love it. It's slick looking. It's fun to play with. You can click through offensive and defensive players. It's just awesome. So go there and check it out. Check out Danny Kelly. Cause he's the man. Danny got anything to say to the peeps. Yeah. NFL draft. Sorry. NFL draft. The ringer.com is the uh, link to get there. And you can find me at Danny B Kelly on Twitter. Check out the ringer NFL draft show on Spotify or wherever you find podcasts. And it turns into the Ringer Fantasy Football Show right after the draft. So, um, And we're going to be launching our Fantasy Guide a, f- a few days after the draft, I believe. And so this will sort of switch over to Fantasy once everything, once the draft ends. You're the man. You're the man. Thank you so much, Danny Kelly. Yeah. On behalf of everybody here at The Undrafted, on behalf of everybody here at The Undroppables, on behalf of the 76ers' biggest super fan. Michael P. Duncan, you have been joined by the great Danny Kelly. I am Jax Falcone, and we are out. Out.